0: The goal and the mission is to stump the divide between Black tech workers and to fundamentally influence and effect change on an industry that has historically not sought parity with respect to the Black worker. You're listening to KBCast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen.
1: Belinda, welcome to the show. I'm really, really excited to have you here. I met you on a conference. I think it was Carmen's conference a few months ago, and then I spoke with you. I loved your energy. I loved your vibe. I loved your just positivity, and I wanted to illuminate not only you as a, as a person, but also what you're doing day to day. I think it's really, really interesting in terms of Black's technology. And I want to talk about that in detail because I believe a lot of people need to hear about what you guys do day to day. But before we jump into that, we always like to start our podcast off with talking about you and your journey. So can you please talk our listeners through where you started to where you oh, are thank now?
0: Thank you so very much. Um, It's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate this opportunity. Whenever I start any kind of presentation or uh, speaking engagement, I like to begin with my personal motto, which is, I do not want you to be impressed by me. I want you to be blessed by me. And please keep in mind that this is a motto that I use both personally and professionally throughout all my walks of life. Currently, I'm a resident of Blythewood, South Carolina, which actually is a suburb of our capital, which is Columbia, South Carolina. With my husband, of this year will be 21 years, so, um, vet army veteran. So I'm a proud veteran spouse, and I have two wonderful children. My son Aaron is 18, and my daughter Camille, who is 13. First, I like to give you a little bit about my. Leadership style or the the way I like to actually um live my life for is it. like leading others and being a mentor, just providing um a helping hand. I see myself as a selfless leader, um uh, which I mean which to me is the only true meaning of being a leader. You have to be able to put others above yourself, so I believe in. <clears throat> expressing confidence, commitment, and communication, and just a dedication to all people who seek any kind of need or resources. A little bit about my educational background. Actually, I have a bachelor's degree in art education, the teaching of visual arts, and uh, from one of our historic HBCUs here in South Carolina, the historic Benedict College. And I have my master's degree in education specializing in divergent learning from Columbia College, which is also here in South Carolina. Currently, professionally, I am the chapter president for Blacks in Technology Columbia, which is actually only one of more than 47 international chapters of the Great Blacks in Technology Foundation, nonprofit 501c3. Uh, organization, The goal and the mission is to stump the divide between black tech workers and to fundamentally influence and effect change on an industry that has historically not sought parity with respect to the black worker. The intent of Blacks in Technology is to level the playing field through training, education, networking, and mentorship with the support of our allies, partners, sponsors, and most importantly, our global members. And I love spreading the great word about Blacks technology because in essence, it uh, uh, exemplifies everything that I believe and aspire to for us the future. Along with this, I also could commit myself to public service. I think that's where all well, I know that's where all of my blessings come from. So if I can't reach back and bring somebody up, it's almost like, um, you know, I'm not doing anything. I cease to exist. A little bit about my background, how I got to this um, area, especially within the technology, seeing that the majority of my background was in education, but I've always had a love for technology. I didn't have a lot of, Um, persons within my community, although they were technologically inclined, but I didn't see persons that looked like me represented in what we would call uh, the more advanced tech career options and entrepreneurship opportunities that we see today. So it took me from actually branching out um, and actually getting out into the world and more of a professional and even a relationship built, um, relationship built network, you know, to see that this really existed. But along the way, I, I, I have to look back to the persons that made so many different sacrifices for me to be where Mm -hmm. I am, uh, making sure that I had every opportunity to reach for any dream that I wanted to. And especially with technology, Uh, And being a female in technology and um, not wanting to be perceived as anything more than someone to answer the phone, uh, you know, in a technological uh, career aspect. So I had a lot of persons who stood in the gaps. Um, So that's another reason that I really am big on community service. So alongside with Blacks in Technology, um, Columbia, uh, I also volunteer, and other endeavors. Um, One, for instance, is actually the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, Columbia, South Carolina chapter, um, whose mission is to advocate on behalf of Black women and girls and to promote leadership, development, and gender equality in the areas of health, education, and economic empowerment. This platform also gives me an opportunity to work with not just uh, adult females, but really grasping in to those young African-American females that remind me so much of me when I look at them. And to just like with a parent, to provide more resources than I had available to me. So it's kind of like passing on and just adding a little spice on to that. Um, also, I am the vice chair for the South Carolina Division of Skills USA. Uh, actually part of the um, executive board for South Carolina. And what we do in this organization is that we serve thousands of high school, college, and middle school career and technology students and um, professional members enrolled in training programs um, in the trade technology occupations. So this also gives me the opportunity to reach not just a small pool of Korean technology education students, and not just a certain um, demographic, but all the greatness that South Carolina has to offer. And the list goes on and on. I, like I say I really like to be involved, and I like to assist others um, the same way that people assisted me, because uh, I, I know the hurdles and the roadblocks, and I just want the road to be a little smoother for the persons that are coming up behind me. That I majored in art education to teach art, but really, I didn't want to teach because personally, I didn't believe that I could teach art and still do my own art as far as graphic design and, and visual arts. Um, I, later on, I was proven wrong. I taught both visual arts and graphic communications for over 16 years, both middle and um, high school level. Uh, Did that for a while and still had that thirst for technology, uh, starting with the graphic design as far as uh, the whole Adobe Creative Suite and working with photographs. And I am an avid photographer and I love that. So everything meshed together. Uh, Went on taking more leadership type roles as um, arts department, you know, uh, coordinator and academic managers. But it's still like something was missing. Um, And as far as the hurdles along the way, especially working um, in technology, not just being um, an African American in that field, but being a female, uh, being a professional with disabilities. So you can kind of imagine the hurdles kind of uh, just built upon themselves, but it just, it, it just sparks this fire in me. It was like to not let anything deter me from doing what I want to do. So, um, some years back, I started to take the technology angle much more seriously because as an introvert, I, I became kind of complacent and comfortable being in the background. Um, you know, always assisting people with their technology, their software, any kind of tinkering or, you know, providing a, a facilitation and advice, but I was never taken serious and um, I kind of thought maybe that's the status quo, but, you know, we all have that light bulb moment when um, someone tells you you can't do something because of this or that's not an area that you're supposed to look into. So at that point, I made it my mission um, to encourage um, young people, older people, uh, didn't matter, um, that, you know, strive for your dreams. Technology is something that you're interested in. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to provide the resources and the networking to make that happen.
1: That's excellent. I really, I, like I said, I enjoy your your drive and your passion because I can relate around <clears throat> when, when you sort of said, like, people, you know, never taken seriously. I remember being, like, in my earlier 20s and had the sort of same impact. Uh, and even people misplaced who I was when I was in meetings and things like that. So I can totally... Relate to that, and I think that it's something if you can't sort of persevere with, like you said, not letting anyone um, determine like your success or anything like that. It's something that can deter people, I think, in this space because you know there are a lot of things that can go against you, and and like we've seen it firsthand. And so, for me, I was like, Well, if I just got to keep persisting, and I know that eventually it'll change. So I really appreciate you talking through that story. But one of the things I'd really like to talk to you about now is talk to me about Blacks in technology. Like, what do you guys actually do? Well, glad you asked. Thank you so very much. And
0: basically, the purpose of our group is to network, learn best industry practices, and to advance your information technology career. Our goal and mission is to stomp, the divide between black tech workers and to fundamentally influence and effect change on an industry that, face it, that hasn't historically sought parity in respect to the black worker. So our intent is to um, level the playing field through training, education, networking, and mentorship opportunities. And also with the support And not last, of our allies, our partners, our sponsors, and most importantly, our global members. And currently, we are comprised of over 47 chapters. And we're within the U.S. and we're also um, national now, which is a great um, accomplishment. And we're steadily growing. And to give you a little bit more information, the Blacks in Technology Foundation itself is comprised of tech um, CEOs, business owners, CIOs, IT professionals, data scientists, um, UI, UX designers, programmers. The list goes on and on, but we also have um, help desk analysts, hiring managers. So various different uh, disciplines, Um, but we're all like-minded people who seek a more inclusive tech um, industry.
1: So talk to me a little bit more about the vision behind why the company was created. This is really interesting and I want to be able to talk about this and illuminate this to people because it's something that I like and I really would like you to talk about that because this is this is something that I believe people need to hear.
0: Yes, yes. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of this platform. And to begin answering that question, I'll have to start at the beginning um, with our Director and founder, which is Mr. Greg Greenley. He is the founder of Blackson Technology Foundation, and not only that, uh, he is also over um, the Blackson Technology LLC. He has spent over seventeen years in the information technology field. He experience his experience includes DevOps engineering, networking, IT security, uh, systems administration. Virtualization, cloud computing, and storage um, administration. Um, and actually, he began um, with his degree in computer network engineering from Cincinnati State um, College. And from there, and, and I love the way that everything began and like the wheel started turning. And actually, um, he was started off as an avid Linux user, um, comic book collector, and you know, all around sports fan. Um, but while residing in Cincinnati, um, him and his wife and his kids, um, he actually founded, um, blacks in technology or Bit in 2009. And this was after attending a Linux technology conference. Um, although this was a free tech conference, he noticed a lack of black people in attendance and no black speakers at that moment. That was the pivotal moment um, that motivated Greg to actually create and found the Blacks in technology. And ever since then, he has been dedicated uh, throughout the decades, um, over a decade plus, to impact in the Black community and changing the world by building this entire organization focused on increasing representation and participation in uh, Blacks. In technology
1: see that's really interesting because so you're saying that the the organization was developed purely because Greg went to an event realized there were no other black people at the event and the same thing has happened even in, in the female sector like even in the female space as well it's like I went to an event and there was like one female there <laughs> um so it, it seems to be sort of a common theme right yes. And something that I alluded to before, it's like, well, when you look at that, what it can do is deter you then, because you you think, well, I'm the only one here, and I, I don't ha- like I don't have other females or, or whatever it may be, and then you, you kind of feel a little bit like a fish out of water. You feel a little bit left out because it's only you there.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly, and. You know when you experience it it's like almost something that you you can't explain because you just have to be there but it's like a feeling that you get it's like okay where am I represented you know and that's what me personally and and my members and many others it's like we just want to show that next generation what is possible because the bottom line is a a child or student, what have you can't really visualize themselves in a position. If they don't know that position, that career, that, uh, you know, entrepreneurial guide exists, if they have never seen it, if they, if they, they just can't relate. So, you know, they can't aspire to be something or become something greater than themselves, which they are fine, but it just, It's not real unless they can see it.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I think that's something that I keep talking about in the industry as well. When people say we've got to get more women in, I'm like, well, they've got to see more women in the space then to be able to relate to that. Or else it's a bit harder than for for younger people to aspire to want to work in this space because they don't see any women, for example. It's exactly, and I mean it, it. It's just a statistical fact. I mean, the data is
0: there, has proven it. So it's not just a, a feeling by itself. Because um, today is um, you know, fairly common occurrence that um, black workers in the technology industry industry um, find themselves the only black person in the room or the only black person on that team. And um, the fact is, is that black people are um, underrepresented in every. Um, technology related career demographic um, from tech startup founders seeking venture capital to core information technology workers seeking uh, pay equality. Um, so that just goes back into, you know, our goal and our mission on stopping that, stomping that divide.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. and I know that from our chats, one of the things that you sort of said to me um, was it was fairly Common, or it's fairly common occurrence that black workers in technology find themselves the only black person in the room or the only black person on their team. So, talk to me about some of the challenges that this then creates for a person. And I have to start with me personally. Um,
0: when I got out of undergrad, and you know, college, when I graduated, um, actually, I went into the printing industry as a um, a Mac operator worked in pre flight. But in that department, I was not only the only African-American, but I was also the only African-American uh, female in that um, department. And at that time, it was called electronic pre-press, um, was that department. But where I saw the persons that looked like me, they were in another department, which was called the bindery. And, um, that was the area where, you know, they, uh, box out, box up all the, um, printed materials, they bind everything, stapling, working this machine equipment. And, um, you know, and me personally, I'm, I've always been a an collected and very versatile person. Uh, so I've never, you know, really just concentrated on race, color or anything, you know, gender specific, because I just grew up in a like melting pot. But anyway, but you could feel it. And from there, even going into uh state government, working for different state agencies, uh, I was not the only black female in tech as a graphic artist. I was also, you know, it was like one other African American and that was like a male. So it was just like but everyone else, you know, were or or different than than um, him and I. So I, I felt it and um and a lot and I still see it because now it's just like uh more consciously aware um it could be something as simple as um joining a webinar or or taking a boot camp or a class. you know when I accept a webinar to a conference or something you know the first thing they give you other than the agenda is the list of speakers and they'll give you the photographs and usually on they're on the website so you know and there are some within well, the majority that I've seen the technology where if they there is a representation from African Americans, there may be like one or two.
1: Yeah. So that's crazy because I can totally understand what you're saying. So in terms of like the direct challenges that this will probably have on someone, what are some other things that you could probably suggest? Because I mean, if you're, you're someone that you're working in an environment, would you say that perhaps people wouldn't, perform as well because they may feel like you know well it's just me here um do you think those are some of the things that come into to mind for people um actually I I, I don't think that's what it is but
0: I I think there's work to be done on both sides uh, me personally uh, I am a relationship builder and and a little uh youth, euphemism I like to utilize I tell people you have to get off of your front porch and keeping in mind, I am from South Carolina. So it's one of the Southern states. So you may hear a little uh, country twang every now and then and everybody, you know, they can visualize the porch because that's something that the older people used to do would sit on the porch and talk or, you know, and, and just, uh, but they, you know, in their groups, the neighbors, the family, what have you. But in today's time, and I give them that reference, you have to get off of your, front porch. You have to network with people who don't look like you, don't think the way that you think, and have a totally different background than you. And it's okay um, because you're going to learn something new. And especially with my young mentees, I I let them know if you stay on the porch with the same group that you've been sitting and corresponding with, um, since you you can remember, you're going to run out of things because You've heard all the stories, you listen to all the music, you've seen all of you know this or that. It's like you're not gonna learn anything new. To learn something new, to grasp new concepts, to go to a place you've never been, you can't be afraid to step off of your own porch. And you don't have to, you know, it's one thing to love, um, you know, your whether it's your um nationality, uh, your group of cohorts, people, you know, working the same industry. But eventually, you are going to have to branch out to be a, what I like to say is overall fully developed professional and human being. So there's room on both sides. Um, And as far as like, you know, feeling that you are not adequate or um, talented or skilled, um, that kind of brings me back to the perceived gap. As um, far as technology, we hear all the time. To me, it's kind of like a uh, you know a soundbite. Now, I don't believe that there's a gap for us um, finding qualified persons from not just African-American tech communities, but also any, any underrepresented community. I think that the gap lies in the marketing and the targeting. You're not targeting those areas. And by the time, if they get the information, when they get it, They're already behind um, the proverbial eight ball because the normal target areas that they target with their marketing and outreach, those persons are going to get the information early. They're going to find out the requirements, whether it be for internship, a job, uh, you know, apprenticeship, a scholarship, what have you. So they have time to prepare. And most oftenly, they find out about that information, you know, very early on in life, whether it's, you know, high school, before high school or college. Whereas by the time that these underrepresented populations get the information, um, they may not, you know, know all the criteria. And, you know, it's like, OK, I didn't know I needed um, coding experience for this or I needed, you know, this um, software platform, I need to know this A, B, C, or D. Basically, they come up upon um, careers and different interests, and the person is looking for a unicorn because, you know, and that deters a lot of underrepresented populations because it's like, well, I don't have 10 years experience in A, B, C, or D, but, you know, I have experience. So I say all that to say is that when you actually target the marketing of uh, these programs, these careers, these ventures to all populations evenly. Everyone will have that same um, starting chance because if you don't have that information early, and I really believe that information is truly power. You 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 can't compete, and I think that's what it's all about. Because that other person, they're gonna have the referrals. They're gonna have that established network. So when they apply, oftentimes. That resume will never touch or go through an ATS system. It's going to go right in the hands of the hiring manager or beyond. So that's the point I'm trying to make.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, yeah, so I can see a lot of resemblances in terms of some of the other challenges that we're facing in the industry as well. So what would be your advice? So for people listening and they're thinking, well, I'm I'm hearing what Belinda's saying, but I don't know how to market and target correctly. So what would be your direct advice that if people aren't doing it today, perhaps they can implement this tomorrow or next week because you've given them your thoughts and advice on how they can go about doing it? Because a lot of people talk about this, but I honestly think they're just not sure about how to go about it. Well, and, and I'm a, first of all, I'm, I'm a person that likes to break
0: things down to their simplest form. Um, you have to actually stop doing the status quo and what i mean by that uh, one example is like grant funding or scholarships or providing funding to support this organization Um, for example you may have a a great uh, angel investor and they want to give back and they want to do more for instance to uh, promote african Americans in technology well oftentimes they'll go to the largest African-American organizations um, that they can think of and then, you know, donate millions and thousands of dollars. Okay. And, and, you know, say, Hey, I helped, you know, I created these programs for this population. Okay. But this is my view. If I was wanting to do something different and say, for instance, I was that angel investor and this is for the person who wants to do something, but really just can't wrap their minds right around how to do it and do it differently. First, I would go to the people themselves. I would go to the communities because way too often, and there may be some, it may be some people who want to bite my fingers off after I finish, but I can only tell it um, the way I see it. Way too often money is given services provided to the same large organization, whether they're African-American organization, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but Oftentimes, the thing that saddens me is that the the intent never makes it all the way through. And what I mean by that, the persons that you're trying to bring up, they still may not be able to take advantage of that information because the information is not trickled down exactly where you intended. But there, you know, once you do your part, it's almost like, OK, I've done that. But there is no, you know, they didn't really go to the grounds, to the communities. So if I was that investor, and we all have those communities, so it's not like it's something hard or is a, a magic formula. No matter what state, what country you're in, you know the areas around you that are um, impoverished, uh, where there are adequate, um, inadequate educational situations, housing, what have you. You know of them already. It's not like Those areas are secrets. You know the underrepresented populations um, within your area. But who do you know actually goes to the ground level, boots on the floor, and go into those communities providing resources. Instead of giving millions and billions of dollars to organizations and creating these flourish programs that sound great and look great, you know, on paper and on web pages and landing pages, with that same money, I mean, you could, like, slash it in half. You can get volunteers to spread your message within those communities. Why don't you find a point of contact in the real communities that you actually want to reach? Provide employment versus donating millions to this organization to do this in this area. Hire some of the out-of-work people that are there. You know, start these programs. Start it in the community. Uh, Because that's something I've seen throughout my lifespan. That has diminished. Where are the community programs where you're not looking for an entrance fee, where you're actually connecting the community and providing this information? If that makes sense. And I can elaborate on any point if you want to.
1: So, what I'm hearing what you're saying is do you believe, now this is interesting because this podcast is about not being politically correct because I, I want real answers right. to about real problems, right? Would you say that they create these initiatives, you know, millions, billions, whatever it is, but then they already have made up their mind about who they're going to give it to, right? So it's like, yeah, we're going to do the whole process. We're going to get all these people to do the, you know, whatever it is, submissions or the applications, but we already kind of made up our mind who we want. Would you say that's the case? Yes. Um,
0: Often, I'm not saying all the times, but oftentimes it is because we don't just like a commercial you don't look at the fine print cuz you're not that close to the screen <laughs> you not you don't see the warning labels and and the small print at the bottom you just you know you just see the majority of the commercial so the purpose is never really served but the person that you know created the program donated the money they can pretty much rest easy because they did something you know whether it works or not you know you can't say they didn't do anything they did something but that's why you don't see any change because we have to get away from what looks good. What sounds good. Uh, I'm a bottom line person. If I have to see the change, I have to see the effect. Um, you know, I have, it has to be something tangible. You can't just throw money at things all the time. You just can't, you know, give these glorious speeches and how you want this and that to change. Show me the change. Show me what you're doing. Show me how you affect um, the person like down the street from me who wants to get into technology but um, can't afford to go to school, does not have transportation. Here in South Carolina, there are still um, rural areas that don't have adequate broadband and Internet services. I mean, I can drive like 30 miles from where I am right now in Blythewood, South Carolina, and, and lose all kind of networking power on my cell phone and everything. So how are we supposed to have an equal opportunity? You know, it's like, and then I don't want to get on my soapbox, but, you know, I'm not a financial analyst, you know, but I just try to make uh, common sense out of things. It's like, and I see the money, I see the grants, you know, I see the programs, but I'm just like, okay, they're just in the wrong targeted areas. It's like, you want to help these people, but you have to have A, B, and C, or D, to apply for the grant and it's like, if I don't have, you know, access to this program or this community group, then how am I supposed to even know that it exists? I mean, um, you know, the radio stations, uh, I'll take it real basic. You know, the radio stations that certain um, demographics uh, in your area listen to, you can look that up in the statistical data because um, this is the day of analytics. Uh, Just, you know, AI is just everywhere. So you can track, um who's the number one consumer is on um, a platform, Facebook or a radio network or t v channel and so you know you have your target area right there, but why are they they not getting the information um, cause with me, like I said at the beginning, I'm very eclectic and um i'm I like to be very well rounded so For me, I can listen to NPR radio and get all of this educational information and updates and these community events. But if I listen to, uh, just for example, an R&B station uh, on the radio, I will not hear any of that. Um, So, you know, I will hear just like, you know, you see in a visual when you drive down the street. I'll hear uh, commercials or advertisements. Uh, about payday loans, or um, you know, how I can get a title loan on my car, or you know, those type of things. And 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 I'm really deep in. I'm really getting really deep in AI, and it's just like a old school uh, mind mind trick. So it's like you know, they target what they want to target and market to you, and other things they don't worry about. And if it's different, I just would like somebody to show me.
1: Yeah, I totally can understand what you're saying. This is the part that really gets me because. I feel in some cases, not all cases, just to caveat that, that it's not genuine. And I I had a conversation with another lady and it was around uh, females in cybersecurity and technology. And again, it's going back to the same chat around, you've got people up there saying, yeah, we we want to be more diverse and include more women, for example. But then in reality they don't really do anything about it so it's all just a public relations stunt and I think that that's the part I mean I'm a person of integrity I say and then I do is what I say I'm going to do and so that to me is where I believe there's that gap so you can say what you want but then you've got to back it up and I think that these are the common themes that I'm seeing from what you're saying, what other people are saying, then as well, and that's why I want to be able to have these conversations to really draw out, like, what do we do about this? Because we're not really getting the outcome that we say we want to get. We talk about protecting, our, you know, our countries and our nation and our people and our data. But then we're not really open to, as you alluded to earlier, like talking to people that you wouldn't normally talk to to understand new things and learn new things. So I think that that's where we've got to have these conversations to make people aware and how we can make change,
0: yes. and And for me, you know, um I may not say what's politically correct all the time, but i'm I, I'm like, prove me wrong um uh, because I'm not afraid uh, to voice my opinions. and tell it the way that I see it. And I can oftentimes speak from personal experience. And um, another thing that I really don't hear people saying um, is, and I'm making reference to like with the African-American community is just like everyone that looks like me and maybe from where I'm from is not my sister, not my brother, not someone who has my best interests at hand. There are, you know, uh, like the song you say, there are good and bad in everybody and everyone, you know. So you can't just assume that because, you know, you provide funding, resources, whatever, to a uh, select group, no matter what, you know, um, nationality, that it's going to be um, dispensed, um, marketed, targeted to the right areas because uh, there are, you know, greed-thirsty persons of all shapes Colors and sizes, and um, that's something that I don't often hear, and um, and I really like to draw a point to, and um, and I get a lot of responses like, "Yes, we don't talk about that," you know. We 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 sp- spend a lot of time talking about how you know we've been um uh, pigeonholed and we've been um you know done wrong by you know uh, the powers that be, whatever adjective you provide for, for these various different groups who, um, it may excel or, or, you know, do different things, but anyway, um, but we don't talk about the persons within our own communities that are part of the same race that we are, who are either perpetuating and keeping these stereotypes going for as, um, believing that, you know, black females shouldn't be in tech uh, or we shouldn't go any further than the help desk. If we are in tech or, you know, that we don't know as much or we we can't retain enough, you know, as much information as per se, a Caucasian male in technology. We have those and we have persons within our own race who will uh, try, you know, to hold you back, uh, not propel you uh, professionally, and um, you we'll know, do, do things to deter you, you know? So it's not just persons outside of your group, your community um, that throw roadblocks in your way. And I just like to state that and kind of wake people up, you know, don't get so pigeonholed and, and hyper-focused on, you know, things not being equitable from one standpoint. If you're going to talk about real true diversity, inclusion, In equity, you have to see it across the board. You can't pick and choose depending on what environment you're speaking in or, you know, you're working in. You just can't pick one area, you know, uh, that suits you. If you're going to talk about an organization having diversity, inclusion, and equity, you have to tell it all. So, and I I'm just a true teller because I get tired of, what I call catchphrases. And right now, it seems to me that diversity inclusion are um, becoming like the next big catchphrase. Everybody's just trying to join the bandwagon. And I added uh, equality, because you don't see that as much as you see diversity and inclusion.
1: Mm. And continue on with that point. Now, a lot has happened in the world recently. And I know from our conversation and your website that part of your mission uh, is to develop the stomp the divide, and I think you, you raised that earlier, between black tech workers and to fundamentally influence and affect change on our industry that has historically not sought parity with respect to black work. So now I know this is going to be probably a bit of a, a prickly topic for some, but I'm just going to explore it anyway because. I think that again, I'm going back to: we need to address the diversity. We want to bro- we want to broaden out our knowledge, as well as we want people to be genuine when they say things. So, so talk to me. Talk me through this.
0: Yes, yes, and and that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's very clearly um, stated uh, within our mission. But at the same time, if persons they don't have to go by what we say, they can merely go to our website and, uh, or to our different events. We have events and um, we we have uh, constant outreach and programs that we're doing on a daily basis. So you can actually see, uh, you know, we don't have to just tell you about the service we provide. Um, You can actually see what we're doing. That's one of the main things that we try to focus on, not just saying, Hey, you know, we want to do this. We're going to do that. It's like, Hey, and, and, I didn't mention in the beginning, membership is totally free. There is no test. There is no charge. All the services that we provide are totally free. And, um, actually going to our website, once you become a member, you actually see, um, especially in far as like finance, financial aspect that, um, we're not charging you anything, but for the services that we provide, uh, you will, you know, like pay somewhere else. But keeping in mind with the Blacks in technology, stumping that divide with Blacks in technology and the premise, and this is um, from me, uh, I can only speak for me personally, the premise here is is that you have to, basically, you're starting at home. We as African-Americans, we have an African-American um, founder. We have to fix the Black community first for us tech because that's what we're facing. But keep in mind, If you see our chapters and you see the programming that we have as far as uh, present and future, that we are comprised of LGBT. Um, We have Latinx community, very strong um, membership, involvement, chapter leaders um, as well. And going back to like the, um, we have different outreach uh, sectors and we're really stomping that divide. between all underrepresented uh, populations. And that's the thing that I love personally. Um, When I joined over a year ago is that it was that true melting pot. So I get those different perspectives. I get those different um, background experiences and we have our, you know, experiences and we're building together with our advice. You have that free mentorship, Um, you know, everything, that you need is provided. And, and the thing for me is like getting that information and thinking to myself, wow, I never knew that existed. So that's why that's like one of my main functions. So a lot of people may tend to think, okay, it's blacks and technology. Why not just, you know, uh, you know, something else and just technology for everyone who wants to get into the technology. Basically we are, we don't turn away anyway, anyone totally non-profit. Everything that we do is because we have that passion. We want to fix what is broken, or some people may just perceive it as broken, but we know that it's broken. But we're not just saying, okay, this is broken, or this is the problem. We're saying, this is what we're providing you. Uh, almost like giving no excuse, you know, if that's your career path or that's what you want to look into or that's what you want to do or become or fix or solve, create here, we're giving you the tools. So it's like, it's up to you, but we're not just leaving you out there. Um, Another case in point, we have an awesome program, which I I'm actually a part of. We have a one-on-one mentor mentee program called converge where we've actually partnered with, um, one of the largest um, tech organizations, which is uh, Microsoft, and it's totally free, but you're paired one-on-one with a mentor, and you're getting the full spectrum where you you have someone you can talk to over the phone, email. It's not just like, hey, you know, one time and then they disappear, but they actually give you the advice that you need. They give you the skills they run over interview practices with you and you have that option at the end, you may even become hired. And I know we hear that a lot, but I've seen it with actually one of our members who was a mentee and, um, who had actually, um, faced unemployment due to COVID, um, for like over 10 months. And, um, you know, before joining Blacks in Technology, just got in and started putting her hands in. I mean, she hit the ground running and she was just volunteering and helping and everything just, I mean, everything just fell into play. But we didn't know that was going to happen, but it just goes to show that hard work pays off. And now she's working for Microsoft. So I say all of that to say is that you start with your community and it doesn't have to be far as starting with your community, far as persons of your race, the persons in your neighborhood, the school districts that are zoned in your area. Um, like I said, we all pass by those areas each and every day. We know the, the park, you know, the districts that need more assistance or, you know, resources go in there. I mean, that's what we do. And, and I know that's what I do personally uh, because, I mean, that just, it brings me joy. And that's how I receive my blessings, by helping other people. Um, I, you know, it has to come a time when you put others truly in front of yourself. And I know how hard it was for me, and um, especially going into technology, but I didn't let anything stop me. And I didn't do anything by myself. And I know that I'm not on camera or anything, but um, I'm pretty short in stature, um, probably like 5'3", and um, so I'm not very tall. But I tell people, if you could only see the shoulders that I stand on, you would know that I am a giant. I've come from, you know, I stand on the shoulders of people who didn't have adequate education, um, you know, worked wherever they could to make do. You know, working hard to keep the family going, you know, and make so many different sacrifices so that I had that option to be whatever I wanted to be. To go wherever I wanted to go, you know, not depending on my salary or, you know, who I knew. But just that drive and determination to show me that you can make something out of nothing. And and I see Blacks in technology, the whole entire foundation like that. Because we have those success stories. Persons that didn't have any idea of where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do. I mean, we even have programs for persons who are recently... uh, Release from incarceration, but showing them, hey, if you want to do this, you don't just have to get a job or get a career. You can become an entrepreneur. We have great entrepreneur programs. We have a large, uh, we have large um, social media outreach um, where we we reach those target areas. No matter if it's not all just, you know, virtual. Or it's not all just you have to have bandwidth. We are actually, you know, feet on the ground in these communities and we have these job um fairs. We have these career fairs. Um uh, we have these scholarship opportunities for the persons you know, who may not want to go to college or school. Um depending on your tech area and I'm sure you you know this it's like you can just get that certification. They're looking for that experience. This is what you need to do, which fits great for the person that can't invest the money in um, higher education or just not it's not a part of their DNA at that time. So we provide um, various different opportunities for them to get uh, most commonly like free vouchers. We have a partnerships with Amazon, um, uh, AWS, where they offer vouchers and provide the training and you don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. And I just say all that to say is that we are reaching the masses. We turn no one away, um, and we just have all this information and with all this talent here that we have and just providing what we have and sharing it so we can bring up the next generation. And, you know, even, you know, I'm kind of, I call myself mid-age, but in the professional world, especially in tech, I'm not a youngster. Uh, there is a such thing as ageism. But we have older professionals, seasoned professionals that make great mentors and they're not finished with their journey. So
1: Wow, that's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your insight and your and you're just genuine about it when you say it. I just I really, really appreciate it. Especially as an Australian person, you know, we are we say things how it is a lot of the time. So really appreciate that. Now, Belinda, because this is an executive podcast what would be probably your three top tips or advice you want to leave with people so that they can take things away from today's interview,
0: but only three. Now, only three. Well, first and foremost, I would tell our listeners to go to our website for the Blacks Technology Foundation. Hey, like what you see? Join. Any chapter you like to join, especially my chapter, you know, Uh, Blacks in Technology Columbia, uh, I will welcome you. And that is at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash foundation dot blacks in technology dot net. That's first and foremost. Second thing I would like to leave with you is to never give up on your dreams. Whether it's within technology, if you want to be an an entrepreneur, or if you want to save the world, don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do, even if they look just like you. Listen to your inner self. And third is just a little excerpt from um, my favorite book, which is entitled The Art of War by Sun Xu where he states that what is his greatest strength? His greatest strength is the perception by others that he is weak. And that has motivated me throughout my career. The perception that I am weak is actually my greatest strength. And it's yours too. And I don't even know you, but I'm sure it's yours too.
1: I actually love that book. Uh, to be really honest with you, yes. uh, so in all my interviews and people asking you what's my favorite book, I list that yes. one. Yes, I,
0: I, I give I, I give it away as <laughs> gifts. You know, I, I'll purchase copies and give them away as gifts. Oh, be. I
1: love that. That's awesome. No, really, really appreciate that. Uh, and I really appreciate your time. So. Well, Linda, if people have a question for you that I didn't ask you today, how can they go about getting in contact with you? Well, great. Um, Well,
0: I'll provide my link, but I am on LinkedIn. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Also, I have a LinkedIn Blacks in Technology Columbia page as well. And also, we're on Facebook. So you can look at Blacks in Technology Columbia to find me. And if you need any other resources, I'll make sure that that's publicly available Um, You can feel free, actually, if you would like to drop me an email. Let me know um, what you thought about uh, the whole podcast today. I would love, because I am a podcast newbie, so I do not mind whatsoever. And uh, my email address is actually bmceac at blacksintechnology.onmicrosoft.com.
1: Awesome. Well, really appreciate it. And um, thanks for for giving your time and uh, thanks for sharing your insight. Thank you so very much. I really enjoyed myself. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital.
0: This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.